Hello, you're listening to Arts Talk Radio, and I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you regular news, reviews and interviews relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, concentrating on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and the surrounding areas. Arts Talk Radio Online. Interviews and features on the arts in Holland, in English. Samir Callisto is an exciting and original choreographer based at the Corso Theatre in Hague. He is very much inspired by, obviously, music, but also by philosophy. When we met for a chat backstage at the Corso, I began by asking which for him was the most important. The connection between both music and philosophy is really something important, but somehow because of my music background, I'm always and constantly doing works that uh, come from the music and depart from the music, even though they have different uh, outputs later on. Because I detect that you are not Dutch, are you? You're, in fact, from Brazil. From Brazil, that's right. And how long have you been working in The Hague? Well, I've been working here first as a, um, as a dancer for the last 14 years, but traveling around, having that gypsy life that we all have as dancers. So somehow, yeah, I've been based in Holland for, uh, since then, but really moving around and traveling around Europe. But as a choreographer, I've been connected to Corsa Theatre for the last eight years. Are you a resident choreographer or what, what's the situation here? I'm one of the choreographers that's uh, fully supported up to now uh, for from Corso, uh, we do not have the concept of resident choreographers, but choreographers that actually are connected to the production house. And every case is a case. In my case, they really supported me from the very beginning. You must have been very young when you came, when you left Brazil. Well, thank you. Not that, <laughs> not that young. I'm 40 years old now. And, so uh, did you come here to study dance? No, I had finished my studies there in Brazil. I came and I immediately sort of uh, started uh, taking dance lessons here to get known in the circuit. And then I auditioned and started getting jobs after a year here. But I studied actually uh, theater and classical music in Brazil. So my background, I studied opera. So, so you sing as well? I used to, yeah. <laughs> I really used to. So therefore, uh, that's the reason why I, my works have a strong connection to music, because I cannot uh, approach a piece of music without looking at the structure, without looking at its background, uh, the context, and etc. To me, music is a very important factor in mm. dance, but very often with, with contemporary dance, and I notice it quite often here, that there is almost no music. There's a sort of soundtrack. Right. Um, which sometimes works better than others. Yes, I think, uh, yes, it is. And uh, when you have a soundscape, you have uh, the possibility of gavi- uh, giving the choreography the autonomy of creating its own you can create an, You can create an atmosphere yourself. An atmosphere and its own musicality, basically. It's very hard to work with existing pieces of music because you are, at least for me, because you become very aware of what that music represents. If you're choosing Wagner, you're just not setting movements yeah, on top of Wagner. The script's already written. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, you have to find a way to communicate in different layers with that music. But uh, in my previous piece, for instance, Suma, I used just purely the music of Arvo Pert.
It's incredible. It's really incredible music. But there, there was something in the, of course, there was live music and there was something in the concepts that sort of supported that idea of having that music purely used because it's, it's a music of purity. Absolutely. And there, there, there are other uh, composers, like obviously Philip Glass is used mm-hmm. a lot, Max Richter is used a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is very, very suitable for, um, yeah. for contemporary dance. But, but as I said before, when you have a blank sheet of paper mm-hmm. and you want to create a new dance, mm-hmm. what's the starting point? What, what, what do you say? I'll do it to this piece of music, mm-hmm. or I've, I thought I've got this wonderful little sequence of moves. Mm-hmm. What, what, what normally is the first thing you have when you start? Uh, more often than not, with me, is with the music. Yeah. yeah, I listen to the music and I uh, I try to understand what are all the layers that compose that music, not only in not only in structural terms, but also the context in which that music was uh, composed. The, is, is that important? For me, it becomes, because even if you decide to ignore that, at least you are aware. And I think that music, in the end of the day, especially when you talk about classical music, it's carrying forward. It has baggage. It, it, it does have baggage, absolutely. And, I mean, it acquires baggage as it goes through time as well. And I think uh, an awareness towards it, at least in the kind of work I do... And, uh, and respect? Very much so, but not reverence, you know. I think I treat with respect, and the, the, my way of respecting the piece is to understand where it comes from to understand what it represented at that moment when it was created. And then uh, I don't feel like I should update necessarily that music, but I do feel I should dialogue to it. In the case of Wagner, you do have the whole uh, revolution that was Tristan und Isolde by the time it was composed. I mean, that was an opera that very few people understood when they, you know, when they heard uh, for the first time, not for the first time, but very few times before they could uh, not detect a, a, an aria where the soprano or the tenor step forward and sing that beautiful song. very much um, not an acquired taste but you certainly have to learn to understand it absolutely and to understand that uh, I, uh, that you are dealing with layers of texture of tessitures of, of things that are uh, overlapping each other and and holding your grip until the end I mean you listen to Tristan und Isolde I mean he saves the last chord for the last minute Within a frame of four hours, which is incredible. Often the first chord is very good too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's uh, so you have that sense of suspension and not resolution. And I mean, he he bored people at his time. 
you know. Because... He is an acquired taste. It took me yeah. quite a long time to get in, into Wagner. I just found it too heavy and, and too rich it almost. Is. And you have to, it takes time to, to, to get in. But once you are in, yes, it's yes. fantastic. And it's terrifying to do choreography in it. You know? Have you never fancied directing an opera? Yes, very much so. But uh, the role of choreographers often in, uh, in opera productions is to make the dance. And the problem is I do have... Uh, they, they don't have any ballets in, in Wagner, do they? No, they don't. But mm. normally what you do have, let's say, in what traditional, uh, the traditional setup is in opera, you do have the director and you do have the choreographer. But in that case, I would love to approach the whole thing because I do have a vision about uh, where the music is sort of leading. So, as you say, I would much more likely to uh, direct than actually just choreograph. Because yeah, yeah, those what, are very different I mean, functions, yes. yeah. But to direct an opera, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, there are a few operas that are in my, you know, in my dreams there. <laughs> but if you take an opera like, um, of course, that many choreographers approached, like uh, Orfeo and Euridice of uh, Gluck, that's obviously an opera for music. But I have the dream of doing uh, Bluebeard's Castle of Bartok. It's uh, it's a very compact opera of an hour that only has two singers, and it's the only opera that Bella Bartok has ever written. It's heavy, but it's an amazing music. I mean, I think there's so much possibility for, for, for the body there. Because, because the, the, the difference, I think, between, to a great extent, generalization mm -hmm. between opera and certainly contemporary dance is the number of people involved. Right. I mean, you get a, an opera company on the road with 80, yeah. 90 people, whereas a contemporary company can travel with half a dozen and do very well. Exactly, but it's also a matter of money, yeah? the yeah, money yeah. that's being, uh, money. that's exactly surrounding that art. Uh, of course, the, the structure of opera demands more money and generates more money as well. But I mean, mm -hmm. in, in, in the Netherlands is uh, one, possibly the leading country in the world for contemporary dance. Yes. And I think it, it's relatively well funded here, isn't it? It is, it is. I mean, if you compare to most of Europe, it is. But the, the difference is there are, many, there are very few fixed ensembles here in Holland. You do have, of course, the Netherlands Dance Theater, you have uh, Scapino, you have the large ones. You have houses like Corso that support talent from their beginning until the mid-career, but you do have that gap in the mid-career choreographers where I'm starting to find myself now, that actually, uh, where do I go? If I open my own company, um, you do miss the structure of a theater that's backing yourself up, you know. And uh, all the logistics, the, the management becomes yeah, which a is massive. job. Which is massive. And then when you have a tour like mine with 25 shows, you do need that structure. Yeah. But as soon as you leave the support of a production house, it becomes very hard to afford that because you do need the structure that travels with you. Uh, while in countries like Germany, you have the Staatstheater system, with very little towns, you know, having their theater with their opera house, with their dance company, but they do not tour. And Holland does have this tradition in dance also because um, I, I think it's a historic thing, you know, as it, it is a merchant's culture, you know, you have people coming flooding in and out and the same sort of extended to dance. But you do have very few choreographers do, who end up their lives here. <laughs> so you constantly have a lot of people passing through Holland. But as soon as you are uh, required to settle a structure, is the most challenging time for your career. I can, well, yes, I can understand yeah. that. But the world is a very big, big place. It would be a pity to limit yourself to Absolutely. a small country like Holland, even, even though it has this incredible yeah. um, reputation and um, absolutely and but for, it's a, of contemporary dance. Totally, but it's in the end of the day, it's a shame also that the country has invested on so many of us, and then you have to leave once you reach a certain point. 
You know what I mean? Like, uh, mm. because you, I, I, I'm a fruit of what the country is, you know, in terms of dance. And you feel, you must feel a responsibility for that. Very much so, yeah, very and, much and so. The, and and the, the legacy of it. Yeah, very much so, very much so. But I think it's, uh, I mean, I dare say it's something in the mentality of, of the Dutch, which has its pros and cons, which is to always look forward. <laughs> you know? mm. They are constantly looking forward, but at the same time, they, it, no, no, there's this resistance to let things settle for too long. Arts Talk Radio Online. Interviews and features on the arts in Holland, in English. That was Samir Calixto, the Brazilian choreographer who is working at the Corso Theatre in The Hague. And this is Michael Hastert. <laughs>